My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. Now who was driving it? I don't know. Curtis! It's coming after us! It was my first picture as a director. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. <laughs> I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let okay. me in the dark. Help me. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. That's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Ah! Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Well, we're not going to get too excited next. <laughs> we're, we're dealing with Stephen King and, and killer trucks for fuck's sake and, and, and maximum overdrive Darren what's your favorite truck in this movie is it the Green Goblin what a pile of shit this <laughs> I honestly I watched this when it first came out and I can only really remember one sequence from it really uh, and it's the, it's the sort of introduction where everything starts going nuts the bridges, sprinklers, toasters. Fucking woman gets chased by a carving knife. Um, <laughs> the truck's <laughs> wanting gas. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I know it's got its fans out there. I know a lot of people. Okay, really yeah, it's fine. Now and again, people pop up and say, oh, I love Maximum Overdrive. Talk about Maximum Overdrive. I'm sorry, but this film is, I mean... As a kid, maybe I was, what, 13 when this came out? I think I probably watched it and thought, oh, it's cool, look at all these fucking trucks and people getting smashed up, and you know? But now I watched it this morning and I just thought, what were they thinking? Stephen King has admitted he doesn't really remember directing it because he was coked off his fucking tits. <laughs> he was drunk, he, he was on Valium, Xanax, and fucking cocaine. <laughs> Is that why they stuck the fucking Green Goblin head at the end of the fucking truck? No idea. I have no idea. I, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's basically the, the, the Earth remains in the... That's a stupid story. The Earth remains in the tail end of a comet for a period of time, which kind of fucks up machinery and electricity, and, and so machines and gadgets start turning on people. Now... I prefer the concept of the animals on the <laughs> being above five thousand feet going mental than this. This is just absolutely wacky. It's, I, 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 <laughs> he said that 
He admitted that at the time he was coked out of his mind the entire time he was making this picture and often didn't know what he was doing. He remarked that he'd like to try directing again someday, this time sober. Um, it's also rumoured uh, that George A. Romero, or Romano, as Frank calls him, um, <laughs> actually directed the majority of this film. Now, if he did, shame on you, George, it's awful. <laughs> he was on set with King all the time because I just I don't think King could stand up by the sound of it. But they were buddy buddies, you know. They dealt with you know the creep show and, and everything like that. They, they, were, yeah, they were pretty yeah, good friends yeah. and everything. Yeah, I don't think George was taking part of the coke. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, absolutely not! No, 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 no. But you know what? The King had no business being on set because. Really, did he really care about anyone's safety? No, I think there was. I think some poor guy died, didn't he? He or, lost or a fucking eye. Some guy, yeah, that's right. Some guy lost. He an lost eye. a fucking eye. So the, one of the stuntmen said, "You know, we need to make this safe for everybody." Well, it's and there's a part with the lawnmower, and they said we should remove the blades. And Stephen King's like, "No, no, no, leave it in. I want it to be as real as possible." Okay, so as the lawnmower was moving. The thing nicked a piece of wood and hit the guy in the fucking eye. And he lost it. And even, we will always have to, we have to say first that this is a, a Dino production. So you know how those go. And the guy man was fucking Italian. So no one could understand what was going on either. And even, yeah. um, you know, Dino's wife said, a cameraman, that's what it was, a cameraman lost an eye. Fuck me. <laughs> It was the one eye that he was. Oh, he, it, was the, it was the DOP. I'm just yes. looking at fucking DOP. Jeez. It, it, and apparently he sued King for, on the February 18th, 1987, he sued Stephen King for 18 million in yes. damage. Settled out of court. Jesus Christ. That, what, what, what a pain in the ass for Stephen King. He can't remember what the fuck was going on. And all of a sudden he gets an 18 million lawsuit. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine this. Some guy's looking through the camera, the cinematographer, you know, the, the, you know, the, like you said, the DP. He's looking through the camera like this, right? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta close my this eye. <laughs> He's looking through the camera like this, and the fucking wood goes into the eye that's that's fucking oh. closed. <laughs> I like Stephen King a lot, but I know, do, I do too. But this, this movie, this, uh, part of his career, he probably. Uh, uh, would like not just a race for him, which it is, but a race for everybody as well. Um, the one good thing that did come out of this was that King originally wanted to cast Bruce Springsteen in the lead. The boss! Oh. <laughs> but he wasn't interested. Good for the boss. Good for the boss. Everyone took uh, inspiration from uh, Springsteen during this time. Who did it, right? Who did it? <laughs> they all wanted the boss at this point. Um, yeah, so, so Maximum Overdrive... Um, shit at the box. So Eight point four million. <laughs> it ran out of gas. <laughs> it ran out of gas. Eight point four million uh, for a ten million budget. So the, the film lost money. It's an incredibly cruel summer for it, and for Stephen King and his addictions. Fifteen um, percent <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, a complete dud there, I'm afraid. But. Um, it wasn't long before we had to wait for a kind of semi-decent uh, horror film to come along, and it came on August the 1st in the guise of Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. They thought the nightmare was dead. 
Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part six. Jason lives. Rated R. Frank, MTV Jason. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> For me, it's my second favorite Jason. Really? No nudity. You know, a lot of rock and roll, a lot of Alice Cooper. But it is, you know what it is? This is this is the established, what people now call zombie Jason. Hmm. He's, he's actually supernatural at this point. Yeah, yeah. He can't die. And, and we are introduced to, you know, an older Tommy, uh, Tommy Jarvis. And, and, of course, with, you know, Never Hike Alone, when it came out, you know, Mr. Matthews was in that one. Yeah. You know, and he'll be forever known for as Tommy Jarvis. But this Friday the 13th, you know, Jason Lives, I think it's great. It, yeah. It's, I, it's story, it's, you know, and the kills are, are great. Yeah. I, I I must admit, at the time, I thought it was terrific. And, you know, it introduced me to Alice Cooper and rock music. And, and, and so I have a lot to thank this movie for. It was the, it's the lowest earning film in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only one that didn't go above 20 million, which is kind of, it kind of goes against the grain of the fan base, really, because I know there's a lot of fans who see this as one of their favorite ones. I was reading um, a post from a friend of ours, Colin Murdy, earlier today, and he, we were talking about the new, there's this new I, Want, I Know What You Did Last Summer TV show that's coming out on Amazon. Now, I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but, you know, and Colin said to me that, that, he he dislikes those kind of '90s um, horror films because they're they're too polished and slick and MTV looking, I guess. And th- this is I th- believe that this is the start of those films. There's a sheen to them. There's a slickness. There's a there's a kind of um, they they look like they're made by music directors. And looking back at this film now, it just doesn't have. A kind of edge to it at all it doesn't there's, there's nothing raw about it there's no you know when you look at the, the the first four friday the 13th they're actually quite creepy this kind of takes on a different tone um it very frankenstein of, yeah yeah it has well that's where he he got the idea from wasn't it of, 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 yep. of regenerating jason um but the weird thing is that the entire premise of the film is based around jason being resurrected from his grave um, but yet in part five, it's said that he was cremated. So, <laughs> so <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Does it just wouldn't mind? Fuck it. Fuck it. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. Well, we, we should label this series that we just were doing right now for 1986. The summer that people have or almost died. <laughs> because you know um when and tony uh, goldwin in the beginning where you know he's going through the map and he's driving with his girlfriend yeah, in that yeah. in that v, uh, vw beetle um her name the girl uh playing it her real name is uh mclaughlin uh mm. nancy um she was almost killed oh really <laughs> so you know that scene where jason throws the that spear that he got from the fence when Tommy pulled it off. It goes through the windshield. Yeah. The stuntman almost hit her (laughs) because by the time it 
because when it hit the windshield, it went off in a different direction right next to it. Yeah, her. it kind of swipes round, doesn't it? It's, it's yeah. Weird. yeah. It almost goes right the fuck through her. <laughs> Jesus. And then she talks about it, you know, she um you know, she she moved a different direction and it she she avoided being killed. Come on. You know, I was like was was Stephen King directing this? When he was he on coke as well? <laughs> oh my god. It's uh it's interesting as well that Jason was fired after one day. <laughs> so initially they had um they had Dan Bradley, who's a, a famous second unit and, and mm-hmm. uh, coordinator as well now. Um, but he played Jason on the first day of shooting, um, which was the, the first day of shooting was the paintball sequence, which I, I fucking hate that sequence anyway. Um, but but yeah, if you look at the build of him, he's kind of huge in that sequence. And then the studio looked at the dailies uh, and 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 decided that he was too big for that for that role. And they got rid of him, and brought in um, C.J. Graham, who mm-hmm. was a little kind of slimmer and, and I guess a bit more agile. But um, yeah, it, it's I I do like the film. I must admit it. it I, it's not my favorite in the franchise that one would go to two or four um but uh it's it's fine and and i like as i said before it introduced me to alice cooper and rock music and you know teenage frankenstein and and uh, mm-hmm. great american success story and he's back and and then all those great albums that he had after that with raise your fist and yell and and you know brilliant stuff and so i have a lot to thank the film for but uh it is as colin said it is too polished and too shiny and there's a sheen and a glaze to it that that kind of takes it away from those slashes of not you know, dark enough yeah pre 90 i can understand that i can understand that yeah yeah, yeah you know and, and also you know i always say every to every time we have a public chat about this whether it be on you know other people's channels or on facebook it it has some of the worst dry humping i've ever seen in my life <laughs> You know, in that RV sequence, you know, and the girl who um, what, what's what's your barometer? <laughs> she was actually she she actually did nudity before. I think you're onto something. I think you've you've cracked it. I think this is the possibly the reason why it's the lowest earning movie in the franchise. <laughs> no, no breasts. <laughs> but also, they were supposed they were supposed to introduce Jason's uh, Jason's father. You know, oh, is that I, true? Yeah, they were supposed to do that in this movie, but they didn't. You know, but and, you know, I like it. But it's it's one of my top Jason uh, movies, as well as a lot of people. You know, for you know Jason purists, you know, and, and you know, like you said, a little bit too polished. But I can understand why. But you know, how did it do at the box office? So um, nineteen point four million um, at the box office for a three million budget. Yeah, you know, you can't argue with that. Yeah. It's still, even though it's the lowest uh, performing of, of of the franchise. It's had a life afterwards. There's a lot, there's a huge fan base for it. We know that from the from the circles that we've been, you know, operating in recently, um, and and incredibly cool for it. I'd say the summer was, um, and forty eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a Friday the Thirteenth movie, isn't that bad to be yeah, honest. It's okay, yeah. I'd yeah, be interested right. to have a look at that and 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 see if that's one of the highest. Uh, Highest rated uh, uh, sequels from Friday the 13th. Yeah, fuck you, Jason. So a week after that, a week after Friday the 13th, part six, 
Um, instead of finding dead bodies all over the place, we're going to go looking for one, aren't we? We are. <laughs> it, it, uh, Rob Reiner uh, directed a movie, another Stephen King movie, uh, Stephen King book, I should say. Um, Stand by me. Oh, man, where do you hear this? Eight o'clock. What is it, man? You guys want to go see a dead body? Columbia Pictures presents... Kids gone, they're never going to find him. Not where they're looking. A Rob Reiner film. I'm never going to get out of this town now, my Gordy. You can do anything you want, man. So Stand by me. There's four of us, eyeball. You just make your move. You're dead. Rated R. Now in select cities. Sneak preview August 16th in additional cities. Uh, I, uh, what can I say about Stand By Me? It's, it's, it's tame for Stephen King, uh, mm. but I think Reiner directed this movie perfectly. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Yeah. You're right. It, it's um, in a world of um, the likes of Andrew McCarthy, Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze, Anthony Michael Hall, you know, and all those kind of Brat Pack movies. It's amazing that, that a film like this stood tall uh, above them all and 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 uh, you know kind of spoke to people like it did mm-hmm. everybody rates uh, stand by me and and even Rob Reiner who directed it is, is always incredibly proud in, in saying that it's the uh, the best film that he's ever directed I kind of prefer spinal tap a little bit but then that's just me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can see that of course yeah 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 but but actually Rob is not the first director of this movie he wasn't the oh, first really? choice no it was a it was a guy called uh, Adrian line okay who did um flash dance uh, did I think he did fatal attraction as well if I remember yep. right. yeah. well he said, I wouldn't, I'm not going to be able to do this movie because he promised himself a vacation after directing nine and a half weeks. Well, excuse me, I would need a vacation too after watching that movie. <laughs> so they, they asked Rob, and Rob said gladly, and I think they made the perfect choice you know, for it. We don't need these kids dancing around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful film, a real uh, uh, coming-of-age movie. Um, like you say, it doesn't necessarily feel like a Stephen King movie when you're watching it. I guess mm-hmm. the set main and all that kind of stuff does, but like you say, it's it's a kind of one of one of his sort of tamer sort of mysteries that he's done. Um but great performance. An amazing cast. Will Wheaton, Corey Feldman, River Phoenix, Jerry O'Connell in his first film, uh Keith Sutherland as well. Um just just superb and, and, and performances are, are terrific. Um, it's, I guess, life affirming. You'd mm-hmm. call it. There's, there's, there's also a um, Keith or Keith Sutherland uh, gave a little anecdote about on set because people always ask him about his movies, and one of them being Stand by Me. I mean, this guy is a legendary actor in his own uh, right, right there with his father. Um, there was a time where Jerry O'Connell, he was left with somebody, you know, to to watch him. <laughs> they do with all these kids. So he he wind up slipping, you know, out of this out of this. Uh, I guess we'll call it a babysitter. Uh, he, she he tied her up and snuck out to go get these special cookies that were laced with illegal substances. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know he says that uh, a little Jerry O'Connell was was kind of high 
during the final scene when he found the body. (laughs) (laughs) An impressive box office of of 52 million, um, which, you know, when you look at the likes of of Ferris Bueller's Day Off that did 70, it's, it's, it's terrific that a period piece like this could, could bank so much box office. Um, 8 million budget, incredibly cool summer, 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody loves Stand By Me. I'm yet to find anybody who's seen this film who, who doesn't appreciate it. Just fantastic. And increased the sales of pies. Uh, did it really? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that pie eating contest, that, 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 that's... <laughs> Well, everyone's seen it. We don't have to talk about it. it (laughs) August the 15th, um, we're introduced to an iconic serial killer of the silver screen, Michael Mann's Manhunter. sliding door nationwide victims yeah this is will graham of the fbi one killer this is what the subject's teeth look like Now, this is not what people think of when they think of Hannibal Lecter. It's not Brian Cox, is it? It's 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 just this. No one ever knew about this movie until I would really think uh, Silence of the Lambs came out. Yeah, and it's, there's probably people out there who don't know about it now. So, Anthony Hopkins isn't the first person to play Hannibal Lecter. In fact, Brian Cox. Um, those of you who watched the superb Succession. Um, we'll, we'll know him from that. He played Man. Uh, he played um, Hannibal Lecter in in Michael Mann's Manhunter back in '86. A very different kind of style to to um, to Silence of the Lambs, but still an impressive and and incredibly intelligent and um, atmospheric thriller, which I've watched a number of times over the years, uh, and and uh, you know. Whilst the portrayal of Lecter is is different, mm-hmm. it's still incredibly tense and taut and and um, accomplished. Is 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 that performance? It, it is. Um, we should say that Manhunter is is what Red Dragon is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. The movie so, was remade. Yeah. Uh, as mm-hmm. Red, Red, Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, 
who who would you say is i mean tom noonan plays the the uh, francis dollarhide in this film who's who's a character a zero killer known as, as the tooth fairy mm-hmm. um, who would you say made a better tooth fairy would you say uh ray fines or tom noonan there was there's something about ray you know he actually has this you know good performance yes yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when he's with, you know, um, his, I guess he would say girlfriend, for lack yeah. of a better, you know, word. Um, Tom had this, you know, the when he was interacting with her, had this sort of acceptance, like, oh, this is great, you know. Ray didn't have any of that. He was still awkward after their one-night stand. Still awkward. Yeah, yeah. There's something naturally unsettling about Tom Noonan anyway. Yeah. Um, he's just got this kind of... He actually looks like he could be a serial killer in real life. Um, in fact, if you've ever seen House of the Devil, where he plays the the owner of the house, the two girls go and babysit him, um, he's terrifying in that film. And I think I think he's terrifying in this film as well. There's something really, really quite cold and calculated, and he doesn't have to do much other than just look. Uh, to, to have an effect on me because yeah. the blokes are creepy fucker to begin with um, but yeah it's uh, it's 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 definitely worth watching and and you know Michael Mann's third film uh, after uh, Thief and, and The Keep and incredibly underrated at the time I mean we, you know going back to August the 15th 1986 8.6 million at the box office you know it it, it lost money 15 million budget summer was cruel to it i just people i don't think people got it at the time um and when you look yeah. at the cast the cast is terrific i mean william mm-hmm. Beaton, um stephen lang is in there brian cox uh joan allen kim greased it's a really solid cast but i think i just don't think it was it was um sexy enough at the time to be able to stand out amongst the likes of you know the Top Guns and the Ferris yeah. Bueller and, and and Stand By Me and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but you know, thankfully the films had a life afterwards, um, and so it's not lost altogether. But a really, really fucking sharp piece of filmmaking. It is, you know. Once uh, once Red Dragon came out, um, the studio re released, you know, uh, Manhunter. Yeah, and some of those people, you know, were when they were introduced to Hannibal Lecter in technically the Silence of the Lambs, you know, with Anthony Hopkins, and they saw Brian Cox for the first time. They're just like, oh, he, no, no, Anthony Hopkins is is Hannibal. Well, then they went back, and when they saw this, they're like, you know what, this ain't like you said, this ain't a bad film. Uh, you know, it's good. Um, yeah, uh, but it needed this series and this franchise needed Silence of the Lambs for it to get. I guess re-energize or appreciate it again, but at least they kept the wheelchair scene in both of them. <laughs> ah! Jesus Christ! Okay. Uh, anyway, Frank, thrill me, thrill me, thrill me, thrill me, thrill me. All right, we're going to get thrilled. On August 22nd, we get a cult classic now with an even more sexy stashed Tom Atkins, and that is Night of the Creeps. 
Oh, I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Oh my God, let's get out of here. How long has he been here? Oh wait. That guy's body, the one from the lab, it came to my window, you guys. Corpses that have been dead for 27 years do not get up and go for a walk by themselves. Its head exploded and slugs spilled out. Oh my God. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies, and a date with a fool. What? What is this, a homicide or a bad B movie? They get in through your mouth. They lay eggs in your brain. You walk around even if you're dead. Darren, I know you own this movie, don't you? Oh, I absolutely... <laughs> I adore this film. Um, I always have since it first came out. Um, it has everything. Big, it, it does have everything. We're big fans of Tom Atkins. And, uh, you know, for those of you who haven't seen... Well, if, if you haven't seen Tom Atkins, then what is wrong with you? Uh, but for those of you who haven't seen the film, it's an, an alien experiment which crashes to Earth uh, and infects a, a fraternity, fraternity member, isn't it? Like back in the... 50s or something um they freeze his body and then in modern day it, it, it uh, two geeks are, uh, are kind of pledging a, a, a fraternity accidentally thaw him out uh, and the corpse kind of goes around the campus uh infecting people with parasites which transform everybody into zombies and it's on it's set on like a kind of prom night isn't it it is it is you know and we have some you know famous uh, cameos you know for, uh, from people that are well known in the industry we got greg nicotero you know howard bergman they all play zombie extras you know yeah. and these are people who are in the zombie culture you know and uh, we have little easter eggs like corman university well who do you think that's named after <laughs> everyone's hero back then roger corman uh, directed by fred decker if i'm not mistaken yeah that's right he did he went on to do monster squad um in fact, there's a scene in this film, and and um, I think it's 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 uh, where is it now? Oh, it's it's in the it's, I think it's in the men's locker room or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where JC's trying to escape a number of the slugs, these parasite things which are going around the floor. And there's a sign on the wall in the background that reads "Go Monster Squad," <laughs> which is kind of you know foreshadowing what he went on to do next, which is. Uh, slightly bizarre he must have known what what he was going to do but yep. um yeah fred decker was perfect to to direct this film he actually wanted to do the whole film in 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 black and white as a kind of homage to those kind of 50s uh, monster movies and that but um i think the studio said no and he he just got to do that sort of um i think the opening sequence is in black and white isn't it yeah yeah there, there's a lot to say about um a, a sequence where you know tom is uh I guess dreaming or reminiscing about what happened to his sweetheart and her date 
It was in black yeah. and white where he comes up as on the scene as a as a cop, and yeah. it, he he did it as a young cop, but he's dressed as a cop as himself that we see. Yeah, yeah, and. All you hear is that axe go into those bodies over and over again. It doesn't stop, does it, until Tom comes oh, up on them. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It, it yeah. really And, you know, once, I mean, you, you can say it's a little bit of a slow burn, which it is. It does build. Um, but once it gets to that point where all hell breaks loose, uh, there are, they're, just, they're just wise cracking throughout, having fun mm. with it. In fact, one of, the, one of the lead characters in it is is the kid who played Rusty in European Vacation, Jason yep. Lively. Yep. Um, yep. It's, it, <laughs> I, I just have fun with it every time I watch it. And Atkins is on fine form with this film. In fact, it's his favorite film, isn't it, that he's ever done? Yeah, he uh, loves it. You know, it's, it's also a, 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 a Fred Decker played a little homage to all the horror and sci-fi directors at that time because during the 80s this is like the directors back then especially in this genre all came together and we're all almost like going over each other's houses and, and having barbecues you know because <laughs> uh, you have you know chris romero was named after you know george and uh, james jc was named after john carpenter and toby hooper uh, cynthia cronberg was named after david detective cameron was james uh, detective landis John Landis, you know, and and last but not least, Sergeant Ramey, you know, after Sam. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's 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 like Jane, John Carpenter calling every character Nick Castle. <laughs> Pop quiz for you: How many times does Atkins say "thrill me"? I got to say, at least a dozen. At least five. Really? Feels like more, doesn't it? Oh every, yeah. Every time he walks onto a set, he's kind of like "thrill me." <laughs> you know five times it's it's there's multiple endings for this there i think there's two yeah there is yeah yeah so we have the one with tom Atkins comes out and he's still smoking the fucking cigarette <laughs> and then we have yeah. the other one with the space aliens but there's also a um, there's actually a sad part in this movie a really sad part are you gonna bring uh, down the tone now yes yeah so okay. remember when he's listening to the recording of his friend who just got infected and yeah. Yeah. he's making this recording and he says you know i could feel it inside me and i'm just going to end it yeah you know yeah. and he tells him you know you're my friend and i love you and then that was it mm. i mean that's a somber he's listened to this yeah, and he's, he's you know boo-hoo <laughs> i thought it was going to be like one of your earlier stories about somebody losing an eye or something like that no no one died on this one stephen king wasn't involved oh okay that's all right then but yeah no i get it i know what you mean it, it, it does have a little heart now and again they um, killed spanky <laughs> or alfalfa one of them but, you know he says <laughs> there's also that amazing shot where fucking tom atkins loses his shit shooting his gun where he's kind of spinning around the room, taking out all the different zombies. Um, I have no idea how they did that, but it it, it looks so corny and cheesy, but so fun at the same time. Um, great old shot. Ladies, your dates are here. <laughs> the good news is that your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and also, unfortunately... It was dead at the box office. Yeah, sadly, yeah. It took six hundred grand. 
for that fucking bill that we've just given it. Um, it took 600 grand, cost 5 million to make. I didn't even, I, if I remember rightly, and I know a friend of mine will probably correct me on this if I'm wrong, but if I remember rightly, I don't think it got a theatrical release in the UK. I think it, um, I think it went, I think Fox released it straight to, um, to home entertainment. Um, I think just great poster it. though. Great poster. It is a great fo- poster and it was, it fared really well with the critics as well. 74% on, uh, Rotten to Mars, which is no easy feat for a horror film. Um, uh, August 22nd, like I said, 600 grand at the box office and 5 million budget. So it was pretty cruel for um, Night of the Creeps. But as with a lot of these films that we talk about, has a huge life, has had a huge life afterwards. And, you know, people celebrate this film all the time at conventions. And, you know, there's always new Blu-ray and DVD releases that are coming out with it. There's loads of extras if, you, if you've got that recent um, Blu-ray release. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's lots to like about this film. And, and it's, it's great to see that people still um, hold it dear, I guess. All right. So as we're coming to the end, uh, let's talk about some honorable mentions. We have July 1st, which we've talked about. Big Trouble, Little China, the actual movie that told that made John Carpenter want to quit going after studios and big blockbusters and just say fuck it all. Yeah. Um, you know that that came out like I said, July first, seventy five percent. You and I both like this movie. It's, we it's, love it's, it. It's, it's, we love it. We've talked about people go back and listen to what we ta- had to talk about it. Yeah, in fact, everybody we know, I think, loves Big Trouble in Little China yeah. and. and um, you know, we've we've we're probably at some stage for the YouTube channel do something on it at some point. We did a podcast about it. Um, I don't know, six seven months ago or, or something like that. It's one of our early podcasts. Um, it, if you want to check that out, I think it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can listen to that. I think it's about an hour long. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked at length about it and and and, and dissected it and, and and what ifs and all that kind of thing. Um, I love it. I, I just cannot tire of this film whatsoever. And such a shame that it was the bomb that it was at the time. But yeah. as again, like I said before, with all these movies that we tend to talk about, they've all had some sort of resurgence at some stage. And um, yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is a big fan favorite, isn't it? It is. It is. But, you know, on a $25 million budget and only making $11 million, it was cruel for it. Back in 1986. But not the movie coming after it in August. And that would be The Fly. Yeah. Another one that we've talked at, talked about ad nauseum on this. A love story, like you and I said. Yeah, it is a love story. And and some of the greatest um, practical effects that you're ever going to see. You know, I I would say that the effects in this movie kind of rival the thing at times. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's uh, it was a, a 15 million budget, and it took it was a huge success at the box office, 60 million box office, um, incredibly cool summer for David Cronenberg, 92 uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so a huge critics response for for a horror film, which is as I said before, is is no easy feat. Um, we've covered it. It was one of our first podcasts we ever did. Um, surprisingly, didn't get much traction, but. Um, you know, it's there. Um, I think it's either on our podcast channels or and or YouTube channels. If not, I can upload it. Um, we had a lot of fun doing that one, didn't we? There's, there was lots we to talk about on 
on the fly. And yeah, terrific honorable mention. We couldn't leave it out of, um, you know, of 1986. Yep, we always have room to talk about detachable penises. <laughs> we do. But let's end you. the summer. Yeah, well, I do. Well, that's fine. I'm not shy. Uh, so let's end the summer of 1986 with the same day as Night of the Creeps came out, August 22nd. To what is some people's favorite of the franchise? Well, you know, let's talk about that. And that's that's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the brutality of a faceless killer. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, directed by Toby Hooper. Starts tomorrow with theaters everywhere. Uh, Darren, you know, it's... It, I, I, I like the love that Leatherface in this, because, you know, what's-his-name couldn't come couldn't come back to do... Uh, yeah, couldn't yeah. come back. Uh, Caroline Williams, she was sexy in right. this. She's very uh, good. You know, it was supposed to be a parody again off Motel Hell. Um... <laughs> uh, but it was originally rated X. Originally, yeah. The, the, this film, there's there's certain films that um, that I categorize as divorce movies, and this is a divorce movie for me. This is is one of those movies that if you're watching it on your own and your wife walks past uh, the the room that you're watching it in and just glances in at any one time, what she looks at on screen, she's going to go, "What the fuck is he watching? I want a divorce." And this is one of them. Um, it is just for for one, it looks like it was filmed in someone's fucking garage. The, the original. Let me let me get this off my chest, right? The okay. original Texas Chainsaw Massacre film is great. Um, it's it's gritty, it's grimy, it's frightening, it's claustrophobic, it's it's scary, it's everything. It's 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 a kind of for me, it's it's one of those perfect horror films. Horrible movie, but incredibly effective. And the more that I watch Tobe Hooper's films over the years, the more I just think that the reason that that movie was a success and why it's got such a uh, a following is it's a complete fluke. It's a fluke. Tom Toby Hooper, I don't believe he's a good director at all. I believe that that everything was he. They had no money. They had shitty actors and actresses. Um, they had shit equipment, and in. <laughs> they had a an exploitative title for the movie and you throw all that in a blender and out comes texas chainsaw massacre and i think it's pure fluke because of the constraints of what they had that movie came out so well and it, <laughs> i think over time i think it's proven with his other films because we all know about poltergeist and the fact that another person was hanging around on the set all the time guiding him through um i just none of these films that i watch i i life force is a mess it's fun but it's just a mess it's just incompetent in places um i just bless him and i know he's passed on now and all that kind of stuff but i'm sorry this film for me is ugh, it, it's just you can see where rob zombie gets his ideas from 
Sorry, I'm going on a fucking rant here. <laughs> That's okay. Speak your mind. Well, you also have to say, too, that, you know, it's a canon film. <laughs> yeah. And, well. Yeah, and there's actually, like, at least a half-hour cut from it because that's what Canon wanted. They wanted between a 90 and 100 minute movie. And it was, when it first came out, it was banned in the UK. It was, they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't show it. It didn't get released uh, here for years. It was, um, and other countries as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good 20 years, I think, before it, it surfaced in this country. Um, the only, the only positives I can take from it is Caroline Williams, um, and, um, Tom Savini's effects work. That's it. And even Joe Bob Briggs's uh, film debut was cut from it. Was it really? Yep. Yep. He, 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 a lot of the characters in this film remind me of Joe Bob Briggs. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, it does it does resemble Motel Hell, doesn't it? With the chili and, and, and everything. You know, with, with, with Dennis Hopper, you know, going... Because he's supposed to be the brother of yeah, the guy the in the wheelchair. It is sloppy. It's sloppy. It's sloppy filmmaking. However, there is a cult following to it. It, it to a lot of people, this is this is more gory. Yeah. Uh, it, it has more leather face, more chainsaw, more action. It's uh, a lot of people think the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is is a, is a college filmish, you know. But it did set bars for. You know, we never saw the original something like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre ever on screen. We never saw yeah. anything. No, no. But it's, it sounds like but, they made this one funny. For that, isn't it? Isn't it better yes. for that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's something that actually pushes the envelope. Because when you see someone, you know, chainsawing somebody who's disabled, you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> or, you know, someone opening up a door and hitting him in the fucking head. To me, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. You know, and pulling him in and slamming the door again. You know, that that's... We we have a lot to thank for the original to make making the genre what it is. Hmm. No, absolutely, and I do like the original Texas Chainsaw, but I do think that its success comes out of its um, incompetence. I think. Yeah, we does haven't seen. A, I think a good. It does. It does because we haven't we haven't seen a good Texas Chainsaw until we saw the remake with Jessica Biel. Yeah. Yeah. Which got back to that grittiness and and yeah, yeah. the Texas scenery and, and you know the, the, the I don't want to say torture sequences but you know the familiar atmosphere that we were used to yeah, in the, the first the Texas Chainsaw. Yes, yeah. this yeah. one they just like you said they took it all in a blender. They took whatever was left in in the kitchen sink and whatever was rotted in the fridge and made it into a soup. <laughs> it's it's just uh i don't know it, it's just the way they're all communicating with each other and screaming and shouting there's so much fucking shouting in this film it just it's it's such a noisy piece of earache it really is and it's it's, it's not scary one bit you know like you said before all all that all that stuff that made the first one so scary has been totally removed including gunnar hansen i don't know the the history of why he didn't come back for this but he was a much better Leatherface than than this dude. Well, um, Leatherface almost got laid in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that whole scene with the chainsaw and it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the mask as well in this film isn't as good as the original mask. But it's a lot of people's favorite. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe I missed because I saw it later. Maybe it's one of those, another one of those cases of me missing the boat uh, and not actually, you know, uh, appreciating it when I should have done. But I've seen it three times now, and and um, each time I just come out of there, a wanting a bath, and b avoiding a divorce because I think it's just so fucked up that. Uh, if my wife saw any of this, she'd be like, "Jesus Christ, what the fuck is?" <laughs> and becoming a vegetarian. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so Texas Chainsaw Two, <laughs> eight million at the box office, uh, four point seven million budget, forty-seven um, percent on on Rotten Tomatoes, and uh, yeah, I guess it made its money back and and. Uh, there's still a lot of there's a huge fan base for Texas Chainsaw and for the cast that are in there you know particularly uh, uh, Bill Mosley and, and Caroline Williams who are always at all these conventions and, and, and meeting the fans and everything it's had a life afterwards and also you know it continued it, it, it you know it's it's the franchise is I don't know what six seven films now something like yeah. that yeah, uh, yeah. another yeah. one on the way so um, yeah it, not for me, but I get why people like it. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> Ladies are and gentlemen. I don't know. You never really said. Are you Are you a fan? <laughs> I, I like Texas Chainsaw. Uh, it, it's not on my... The character of Leatherface is not on my Mount Rushmore. No. You know, of course, there's the big three, which everyone knows who the big three is, of course. Um, I, I don't have a special place in my heart for part two i do for part three which is actually titled leatherface oh uh, yeah um you know i think that's a, i think it's a little bit of a better movie a lot more darker and a lot more sinister um i i this one's okay i probably maybe like it a little bit more than you do which is not a lot um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean it's not a good way to end the summer usually like you said we end the summer on a horror movie and it doesn't look like a lot of people went to go see this, but if you guys have a special place in your heart for part two, we're not knocking it. You know, it's it's you you are who you are. That's it. That's it. And that's that's nineteen eighty six, folks. That was a really interesting year, you know. Had everything. Had everything. Movies that weren't particularly well received that have, have stood the test of time and, and are still, you know, adored now and um, but a really good mix, and a nice as well to to talk about some horror, which you know, which which was initially why this channel came together, and and seems to have drifted a little bit while we've done Cool Cruel Summers. But yeah, good good to chat about some horror. Well, that was 1986, and after 1986, we got none none other than 1987. Usually, <laughs> that's what happens, right? And we go in the. Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we did this part at least six fucking times. <laughs> this ending right here. <laughs> Let's take a few right. takes for this. Yeah, go ahead, Darren. Finish. Okay. So, <laughs> 1987. Um, we have a special guest joining us for 1987, which will be in about two weeks' time, I think. Um, movies like Creepshow 2, Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Untouchables. The Witches of Eastwick, Spaceballs, Full Metal Jacket, Jaws the Revenge, Superman 4, The Lost Boys, The Monster Squad, and Dirty Dancing. Um, Barry from Wolfman's Got Nards will be will be joining us to talk through these movies. 
he's an expert on um, on the Monster Squad, um, hence the, the name of his YouTube channel, Wolf, Wolfman's Got Nards. Uh, but also, one of his favorite movies is actually in that list that I've just read out. And you will not believe what it is. I can't wait to hear him talk about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear what it is. I kind of have a suspicion. It's usually, you know, the lesser of two evils and something out of, you know, left field to, to talk a, uh, you know, baseball term, uh, right field, whatever fucking field. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to try to guess and say, you know, Darren is at this or Darren is at that. So I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait to talk about it. Cool. And and um, we, we have a um, Facebook group. So... If any of you want to join our um, Slaughtered Lamb Movie Podcast Facebook group, just feel free. Go on to onto Facebook and, and search us out, and we'll uh, we'll grant you access. There's a really good community growing in there. We've got uh, well over 120 people or something now, all chatting away all day long and and, and sharing uh, stories and 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 you know pictures and things like that. Uh, so yeah, feel free to join us. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you don't mind. We don't normally ask people to do that, but if you are um, enjoying these podcasts, let us know. Subscribe and, and drop some comments below. Um, we'd really like to hear from you. There's a lot of people starting to um, uh, to listen to us now. We, we'd like to hear who, who's out there and, and uh, how you found us. So let us know. Yeah. As always, stick to the roads. And the best of luck. See you next time. Bye-bye.